All right, we are live between two bags here in American Top Team Orlando. Yeah, so today we're not we're not laying on our elbows, heads hands propped up on our looking earth. at each other lovingly yes. in the deep pools of our eyes. Um, I, I have a quick question. So, I you had mentioned how Nick Venicasa approached us or approached you rather at EDC. Yeah. At, and and was randomly speaking about the podcast. He was giving us props. He's like, man, I love the fact that you guys are just talk. Like, I love the format. He that's, actually, yeah, I that's, believe he said, I like wow, the format. That's coming from a, he's like a, he's like, a, isn't he a, 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 some sort of entertainer? Um, well, he's a software engineer at Lockheed Martin. Okay. Well, um, he's got some side. I know thing? that he's, he's, um, helped promote events in the past. I don't know what to, okay. what degree he does that. But well, he invited it, me to like something on his Facebook yeah, page. Yeah. And, and he's a musician too. He is. Okay. All right. All right. Um, well, that explain that. But what's funny is to what degree, like I was kind of, it took me a second to realize he was talking about the podcast because you're at a music festival <laughs> and EDM music is like blaring. And <laughs> that's, that's sudden, how much he cares about yeah. it. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> we've made an impact. So <laughs> shout out to Nick. I appreciate it. Yeah. And, and another shout out to Nick. Um, so who the hell sold you like a quadruple extra large t-shirt? Because you posted a photo of, of or he, he posted a photo of him at EDC mm-hmm. and like he's wearing, he's repping the tribe shirt, which is awesome. But he looks like a kid wearing like his dad's clothing, like playing dress up. <laughs> I didn't see the. <laughs> it's hilarious because it, it looks like he looks like he's wearing a shirt that like Jason Hayes should be wearing. So it's <laughs> oh it, it's really funny. But anyways, um, so how are you, man? You, you've recovered. You you did. I'm all doing three great. Days. I was yeah. Uh, so EDC for those of you that aren't familiar is uh, a music festival, an electronic music festival. Is um, it like Strong Bad doing his techno music the entire time? I mean, I'm not even that into, I'm not into the current scene to really know like all the different guys, but Diplo closed it out. Um, they go 1 PM to midnight every day and 1 PM to midnight. So yeah. that's 11, 11 hours. hours, 11 hours. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. People wear a lot of exotic outfits and I exotic is a very yeah. big understatement. Yeah. I'll, I'll let people do searches online for, <laughs> yeah. for rave girls. It's an awesome stuff. Uh, hashtag on Instagram to yeah. follow. But um, but yeah, I'm I'm I've been the uh, rave mom for the past two years, and are you a, like making sure everybody's like staying hydrated? Absolutely, and, staying hydrated. I've got like extra um, earbuds or ear. Um, I was about to say like I can tell you I work about a five to ten minute drive from the stadium. Oh, and you heard it. I heard it from the fuck. I stepped out of my car, right? Because I'm like, somebody had said to me, like, hey, make sure you leave early from work today because you got to avoid all this fucking traffic. I'm like, I'll leave 15 minutes early. I'll be good, right? So the traffic like, around Camping World was horrendous. Dude, and that's exactly where I get onto the fucking 408. I mean, it's good scenery. Don't don't get me wrong. But I know, but damn. they started to close off streets. It was nuts. Oh, my God, man. Like it, it When I left that early... It should have taken me about 25 minutes, 30 at most to get home. It was an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. It was, it was, God damn. So um, last year, it was a two-day event, and I heard that there were over 100,000 people attending. Not, not a, at, like in total, like total tickets sold, not at any given so time. So that's what I wasn't sure. I, I was under the impression last year that it was 100,000 concurrent on site. But what I can tell you is um, somebody in our party, Alexia, um, quoted 225,000 people over the three-day weekend. So I don't know. 
I don't know how you that's split a, that up. That's a magnitude still, of, but that's a lot yeah, of people. Oh, yeah, that's a, a lot of people, regardless if it's one day oh, or across yeah, yeah. the, especially you know. for just that dinky little area, right? I mean, it was it was bigger than it was last year, but uh, yeah, it was an insane amount of people, and it only got bigger each and every day. I, like Friday was the quietest for sure. How? What is the? So there there must be bouncers everywhere. No, actually, no. Really? No, no. It's surprisingly with that much, just pure ash cheek everywhere no is it not like just out of control just no and that's creepers the, that's the, and no that's the misconception about this and and the big emphasis so so uh, some of the people in our in our gym you know are into edm music and electronic music and i had i had a phase where i was really into house music when i lived in spain so i lived in spain wow, for two so, years so euro of you yeah so i was kind of into that back at that time period so i kind of rediscovered that now and i had a lot of fun and and one of the big things with the rave scene is this idea of plur are you familiar with plur i was barely familiar with poi until okay. as far as i was concerned it was literally that starchy <laughs> shit that everybody hates at in hawaii yeah so plur is p-l-u-r and it, it represents peace love unity and respect so um it sounds kind of cliche but honestly like <coughs> I've seen it's a hundred times worse, and I do say this actually realistically. It's, it's probably a, not maybe not hundred times, but ten to fifty times worse of a shit show just going to Church Street on a random really? weekend in Orlando than it is going there. Because yes, there's a lot of chemicals being consumed. Don't get me wrong; like people are doing yeah, a bunch of stuff, and they're in their own little world. I, I, yeah, but what's going on is uh, everyone there likes the music, and they're just like I said, it's it's more huggy. There's very there's a lot less, like, I don't really see many people, like, uh, grinding and, and that kind of, like, Good. overtly sexual stuff. I mean, everyone's wearing very revealing clothing. Oh, sure. I mean, but it's more of a... Guys included. Yeah. No, sure. everybody. So, it's more of a group hug kind of atmosphere than... Um, yeah, that, that, that's exactly, exactly. what he's discussing. Plur. Yeah, exactly. So, plur. So, yeah, it, um, in terms of bouncers, there are no bouncers. There are actually a number of um, medical station, medical tents. Okay. So, if people are having a bad time... Um, they can go there where they're dehydrated or having a bad trip or something like that. Right, right. Um, but if anything, they're just people going around checking in on people. Is it so? It's very like sort of self-governing. If, yeah. If they, okay. All right. But they have a, they have a fair number of staff. I think they're volunteers. They might be paid that are going around either being info people yeah, where they have yeah. like an info sign you can check in and ask. <laughs> info sign. Because honestly, the biggest probably the biggest practical issue you encounter there's so many people. And how do you stay in touch with people? And what you'll find is service with that many people in a small area gets really shitty. So just trying to find people becomes an issue. So having meetup points, having strategies like if you guys get lost, meet us under the rainbow or meet us at the lockers. Which is it's all rainbow. Yeah. (laughs) No, but there's a big rainbow in the the whole set. So yeah, um, yeah, it's it's very. uh, Honestly, never saw one person puke. Really? Yeah. In my two years of going to EDC, last year there was one person really effed up on the first day at like three in the afternoon. That's like the fucking amateur. And that was it. Everybody else, um, like I said, there are a lot of chemicals involved. Sure. But the, um, I do think the intent or the the vibe and the energy is really positive and nice. That's You cool. have to like, like it, though. That, that, if you don't thing. like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. that's a totally different story. You'll be miserable. But... If you're into that music, the music's phenomenal. The environment is incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then depending on how much of a dimensional shift you want to go down, (laughs) there's that there, too, because of the lights and and all that. It's a really, it's really, really cool. Because somebody had told me, actually, my old boss had told me, he's like, oh, Chris, next, next EDM in Orlando, like, I'm, I was like, I'm taking you. You have to go. I'm like, bro, if one fucking person bumps into me, 
Like, I'm going to fucking barbarian from Diablo 2 just <laughs> berserker rage through there and just a tornado of fists because I don't, I don't like getting that. Bumped. Exactly. Like, I don't, I don't deal with getting bumped into. Well, I know people that, that are in... Um, a lot of people that say, well, I, I have claustrophobia, I have, you know, anxiety in groups, and it would not be a good setting for me. And I get that. Yeah, and then that's, you know, know, right? So You have yeah. to be comfortable with large groups I don't like being in Disney World like that, so let alone... You know, oh, so, yeah. I mean, like... For sure. But, um... They're, more, they're nicer things to look at it, here you know, than it... Yeah. <laughs> for the adults. In the room. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's... it's, it's, it's it, the production quality is incredible. I mean, oh, like, amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. You know, like, I just... That, that alone is, is awesome. It's like Disney World for adults. So, welcome back. I'm, I'm glad you. you guys all survived and... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, that's we had good. A good time. That's good. Excellent. So, what's, what's on your mind? You said you wanted to discuss lots from our chat. Yeah, what, so what, basically... What, what have you what, been thinking about? Yeah, what's so what, what happened is, as usual, uh, I text you something, you text back, and then all of a sudden, you ask a very thought-provoking question, and, and I go on a rant, and we say, oh, we should have... Save that for the podcast. Yeah, so it happens. So I actually screenshotted to remind oh, us. Oh, okay, all right. But it basically was you said I have a banger of a question, and is how do you roll? Interesting. Okay. I asked you that. You asked me that. How do you roll? And it kind of stemmed from this notion of um, you've had experience in the past where you've rolled. Uh, in this case, you were talking about you know I've, in the past I've rolled with with lower belts or even a white belt, and they're doing something in my guard or they're oh, doing something okay, in a situation yeah, yeah. Okay, that right. seems like you're, you're not, you're not able to connect the dots. You're like, okay. I'm trying to figure out what they're doing, but I don't quite get it. So then you ask the person afterwards in these situations, like, Hey, what were you trying to do there? And most of the time you get a response of, I don't know. I don't know. That's yes. Yeah. So. And that triggered me. I was just like, I went off. I went all caps in the whole thing <laughs> because I have a real clear answer to that. And, and I feel pretty confident like saying it, even though, I haven't been training that long. You it's, use that qualifier a lot. Like, I do. So, like, just to give you a heads up, most people have quit by the time you've reached how long you've been training, right? Fair enough. So, I mean, like, you've already... You know, I but, hate that cliche of, like, ah, the blue belt is really a, a black belt and other martial... It's kind of true, though, right? Like, you can go buy a black belt and fucking champion... <laughs> I, I mean, like, I, I hate to... I'm not calling out other traditional martial arts, whatever cases. I mean, but you can, you know... A lot, kids can achieve black belts in that amount of time. You've been doing that... And something that's alive and real for, and you put in twice as many hours as they have. Well, so I, I mean, just, like, I think I just think it's respectful to those that have done it more than me that I'm not coming out here. Uh, but you're allowed to speak your opinion. I know that. You're and my, to, my, yeah. my, my, my opinion, you know, is probably going to change over the years and mature and stuff. But right now, um, the simplest answer to how do you roll? So there are two questions: How do I roll personally, and then what's an approach to rolling? Okay, so the first is. For this situation with the person that says, I don't know. What do I do? Who's, the fa whose fault is that? Um, both the instructor and the student, okay, in my opinion. But the answer is simple. Uh, do what you've practiced in class. So <laughs> I know that's yes. frustrating at first, um, but if you just learned a double underpass and that's the only guard pass you know, do that for five minutes and let the guy defend against it. At or least at least funnel yourself to get there, you know? Yeah, like, but you yeah, don't even yeah. have to, I mean, just, just dive for double unders. Like, you know, just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And to your point, I've had experiences where I've rolled with relatively new people in a fundamentals class. And whenever possible, I try to make a habit of feeding them what we practice. Yes. 
And I would say less, than half, the, you, less than half the time they They'll actually recognize it and do it. Yes. And I'm just sitting there like, uh, you know, like, and this can be as something as basic as a triangle where I'm in closed guard and I literally and plop down and I put my arm out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like feeding it there <laughs> and they don't put, they don't, clo- they don't raise their hips up and actually close a triangle. So th- that is, it, so is that a, you think that's muscle memory or do they, you think that, People, when they spar, get into an immediate sort of fight or flight mode where they just, they literally forget about training and just go to gut instinct because that training isn't instinct yet. I, I think that's a good point. I think, I think newer students probably do that. I think there's kind of a, they tense up. You feel the guys that are tense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, so I think yeah. those are the people that definitely lends itself to it. But I also think there's... Um, I think there's an arrogance that a lot of people have that comes to learning. And I think a lot of people are guilty of it. It's not just white belts. And in many cases, you know, guys like Paul talk about higher belts being more guilty of it in many places where it's like, you think you, one thinks they know it after they, they do two reps. Like, you know, it's show technique. (laughs) I do two or three reps. Now let's tighten our belts and chit chat about this cool thing I saw on the weekend or something. It's like, do you actually know the technique? You know what I mean? So I think when a guy goes out into a live situation and they either can't execute it or they don't even recognize it to even try it, it, it you know, it's like that's on the student. Now, I think, I think instructors in general, I think teachers in general beyond just jujitsu can do a better job of teaching students the art of learning. I think that's something we never talk about in any discipline. You know, or just laying out clear expectations of what we're supposed to be doing, given that exercise at the moment. Yeah, I think is very important. Yeah, so it's 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 kind of it's weird for me because I think early on as a white belt, I think it can be frustrating to not know much and be funneled out of positions that you even know. Yes, you know. So let's ignore the fact that people don't recognize the position they're in to try a technique that they know. Ah, so here we go okay. to the hierarchies again. Yeah, well, it's not a hierarchy. It's a recognition of, okay, we did we did a closed guard sweep. You are in closed guard. Do the sweep. Grab the, you know, if you want to do a scissor sweep, grab the grips you just studied and do it. Now, it's frustrating uh, in a fundamentals class because what did everyone just practice? Scissor sweep. So if that's the only thing you know and you go to roll, what's the first thing that everyone's had practice defending a little bit? The scissor sweep. Yes. So your, your success rate is going to be a lot lower and you're going to have a lot of false negatives, meaning you're doing the right thing. You're, getting, you're not being rewarded for it, not because of anything really wrong. It's because you just started practicing the move and they, and know, the other, what to and they know what to expect. Yeah, that's, yeah, like, and me and my but buddy, that makes you better. It does, but me and my, my buddy Victor talk about it. It's like usually you start hitting things a month later because people have kind of forgotten about it. Yes. So let's say you're doing Delahiva, a Delahiva section and then... Next month, you're doing butterfly. Well, guess what? Go back and start doing the Delaheva stuff, and now people aren't keyed in on it because they're keying in on butterfly sweep defense. And it's a more proper representation of what it is, yeah. like, like the, success, the true success rate. But the way I approach rolling is, depending on who I'm going with, obviously, and that's its own little, that's, that's that's big, a, that's yeah, a, yeah. Its own little art form, I would say. But um, as you get better and as I've progressed, it's it, jujitsu gets more and more fun because there are more positions where I have opportunities to practice things I want to practice. So if I'm on someone's back, 
I'm practicing some Danaher system stuff. I'm usually trying to go for a reverse triangle, stuff like that. If I'm in okay, headquarters position, headquarters is probably the most, is like every week I might be doing something different. One week I was trying to do back step passes, you know, and this is all Delaheva passing, but I go to headquarters and I'm trying to do back steps. Then I tried, and I was on a float passing binge and stuff. And none of these things I'm, I'm getting to any sort of proficiency, but when I'm rolling, there's a concerted effort to practice something in a position. And as I get better, there are more positions. My capacity to remember positions and things that I want to practice increases. Sure. So I, I can, I don't, I'm not screwed so much by, oh, I want to funnel into double underpass, but this person passes my guard right away and I can't do double unders, you know, because I'm never in that position. So um, just do that. And then if you're struggling to funnel because you're getting completely dominated, identify the position you're in the most and then ask your coach, what do I do in this position? Because guess what? That's the position you're practicing the most. Whether you want to or not, that's the one you're practicing the most. So that's kind yeah, of my that's, rant. That's, so that's also interesting too because the own, I, would, I would take that a step further and say, this happens all the time when I roll with this person. Yes. That helps a lot, right? Because like in general, the coach has eyes on everybody and they have a good, because they've rolled with everybody, they have a good idea of what uh, that person's strengths and weaknesses are too and how you can, you know, deal with that. Um, so I, I would take that a step further and do that. But that's, I, I so that's, that's a big thing, right? So <laughs> I think this stemmed from my question to you about like how frustrated I was because as, as a higher belt, and, 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 you know, nothing against other higher belts and whatever it is. But when I come to class and I want to train, I'm there to train, right? Like I, I, I'm there just like everybody else to go through the reps. I don't do the bullshit. And, and I told myself this when, God, was his name? Milton or Miles. It was an MI name when I was a white belt and he was a purple belt and he would show up every day late to class conveniently and skip the warm up. We've all been running around in a circle for fucking 10 minutes because that's what they do. And then sit there and chit-chat with the instructor, blah, 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 and all this stuff. And then come rolling time, just fucking smash all the white belts. Because not only because you're more technically proficient, because you also skip the worms. Either way. So (laughs) higher belts, you're not above warming up and drilling and learning just like everybody else. Um, You're also not above shutting the fuck up when the instructor is teaching something and when it's time to actually work it, working that and not saying this is what I do instead or this is how I like to do it. Teach the way it's taught. When it's time to drill, then do your little variation, right? That's annoying as fuck because like it's almost the same as like, and I, and I hate this too because as an instructor, sometimes this happens. The but what if question, you know, like I, I appreciate that, but that's just not because there's a multitude of stuff that goes on in jujitsu. What we're training at that moment is just what we're training at that moment. This is that person's reaction. Right? I think, I, I think if more people had an attitude of trying to, trying to, trying to make what the instructor is teaching work, as opposed to constantly poking holes in it, it's probably going to, make for a better or, class. And I don't think it's because necessarily poking holes. I think it's a matter of like trying to, I guess that it is, it's, a, it's sort of a backhanded way of poking holes in the way they... I mean, I'm not saying that like they're, like even in a situation where the instructor is inferior to you, 
and is teaching something that you think is bullshit, at least try to understand where he or she's coming from. Right. And maybe you can that get something out of arise, it. That situation might arise, right? And maybe you can get something out of it. But, yeah, I, I would... It, it's funny how people just kind of go around and just... They go through the motions. Caroline's here looking at us and... It's fine. No, no, you can vacuum. vacuum. It's, it's fine. It's you can fine. totally vacuum. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the no. Mic, these mics literally are good. these he, the professional quality podcast. Caroline, come on, give us some. Haven't you here. listened to the podcast? Are you not a listener yet? You haven't subscribed. Oh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna shame her now into subscribing. <laughs> just now. Um, but, but yeah, I yeah. think jujitsu is kind of like you know you can learn something from everyone, even from the people you don't think know as much as other instructors just try to try to get where they're coming from even if it doesn't work for you because you're not too you know oh some guy's 250 and 6'6 yeah, six, yeah. six, and he's teaching an escape like ryan wilkerson love the guy to death he showed me and victor some escapes and and they made <laughs> sense but victor and i were looking at each other like ryan we're just not quite built like you like we're not <laughs> gonna be able to shove people off like, like our ratio of my twitch to <laughs> yeah red know, twitch muscle fibers you know, is, is not the know. same you know so it's one of those things so. no at least try right like and and that's the thing is like i will still continue to try whatever it is whether it's the most simple move drill the hell out of it um just because that's that's what we're working that day you mm-hmm. know when 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 the time comes to drill it live, then do whatever. But that, that's, that's what drives me nuts. Um, and, and like you said, just to your point, when you're sparring, trying to work... Like, you, one would think that maybe it's like a, that that's what you're supposed to do, but I, I guess people just want to roll, and that's... that's okay, so how do you go about... Let, let's tackle the whole, like, attitude in rolling. So it's like, we've done class... We've done our situational sparring. Okay, fair. Five minutes is on the clock. Start whatever, wherever you want. Um, how do you go about picking your partner or... Not even picking your partner, but... I don't think you ever should pick your partner, but... Okay. It's more like, how do you have a mindset? Like, tell me about your different mindsets rolling with different people. Because I think we can agree that with different people, you're yes. going to have different roles. Whether, whether you want it or not, yeah, you yeah. have to roll so, differently. Th- one, so, one what's, big your, thing is, what's your thing? <laughs> oh, my God. So one thing is like being on the same page and, and I'm, I think a big part of like everything in life is just proper communication. <laughs> you know, like what one would think Words that that's to live by <laughs> communication. Right? One would think that that's the case, but being on the same page about things, some people, they don't communicate as well or whatever cases or it's just, if you know somebody well enough, like you just said, like you, you have to approach things differently, right? Like with let's, let's use Ryan Wilkerson for example. <laughs> It's the fight of your life, right? So, like, I sort of have to approach that as, like, I need to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm bringing my A game, I'm defending properly and whatever the case is because the likelihood of us drilling whatever it is we're working that day is not really going to be the case, right? And, and just because I know most people's personalities well enough that I tend to adapt to whatever it is that they're going to do because they're, and to no fault of their own, they're not being as, a mind, as mindful of a student, I guess. Um, but like for like a, a lower belt or somebody I'm just vastly larger than, you know, like, because every, at the end of the day, training should be for both people to get better. Whether you're a higher belt rolling with a day one white belt or a purple belt rolling with a blue belt, you know, like everybody's at different levels. Everybody's got different strengths and weaknesses. And, and you've been in enough of my classes at this point where, you know, before we spar, 
I, I literally do it every time. I know everybody gets tired of doing it or hearing it, but I, I make a conscious effort to tell everybody rolling in, in class is training. It's for all of us to get better. It's for all of us to get to, to help each other, right? It's not competing. Leave competition for competition. And, and I'm just not sure most people approach it that way. Um, I guess one can argue if I'm that much better than another person that I should just smash the fuck out of them and then the onus is on them to get better. But I would argue that, you know, like, if you're only playing to your strengths all the time, like, you're doing yourself a disservice, right? Um, if you're just a guy who's just dominant on top and, and, and whatnot and you just, and you refuse to either pull guard or, you, you know, or it, you're just not helping yourself, you know, because there will come a time where somebody will be equal or better at you than whatever it is that your strength is. So you need to be able to put yourself in bad position to work your way out of it. Just the same. So, um, how intense do you roll me? Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you, you've rolled with me a handful of times. Yeah. How intense do I roll? You're, you're on the lower end compared to the other people I roll with. Yes. Very, very much so. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't put a number to it for you. I don't know how much, you know, I think it's, I think, Early on, I think it's always you always have that that curiosity of like I wish I could see like a meter on on everyone's head to see how hard they're going with me. It's like how hard is this brown belt going with me right now? Hold, this is how hard mm. is this blue belt going with me right now? You know, are they going at sixty percent of their capacity, twenty percent of their capacity, eighty percent of their you know that sort of thing? Well, okay, so you, that that that's just sort of this early you know, on in our sort of like introductions to one another. What was the one giveaway that I was rolling seriously one time? Oh, uh, well, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't even say seriously. You just did things that were atypical for you. You didn't go to guard. It was, it was, uh, my shark tank or my gauntlet. So shark tanks, people are more familiar with. So when I was up for my blue belt, um, you were one of the guys that cycled in on me and you immediately, you immediately assumed top position and side control. And I was like, look at you, Chris. Yeah. I even made the right? comment. So, I even like, made the comment while we're doing it. I was like, look at you, Chris, taking top control. Yeah, like, and you're so, like the smashing. <laughs> yeah. So like I, you know, I, and it's 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 funny because like for the longest time um, when I started jujitsu, I was a larger guy. I was like two twenty, right? So um, I was used to playing on top. I was big, you know, and and so I only played top game. I refused to go to my back. And then somewhere along the way, I think it was probably mid blue belt, maybe higher level blue belt. I realized that my bottom game wasn't the best, so I really con concerted on like working on my um concentrate on work on my bottom game which honestly i just took a liking to i think it lends itself better to my personality just because i'm lazy and passive you did a reverse chris howder <laughs> yeah exactly right <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly it um I, I succumbed to the seductive nature of the guard um and ever since then I've, this is sort of what i've been doing just i i, I think i found my calling and just being on my back just <laughs> Kick, that kicking my great. legs around to the, to the layman that doesn't change jujitsu. That's gonna sound really <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, but so that's that's I don't know. Like that that's how I that's how I roll. I mean, like it's it's always it's you can always escalate, right? But I won't. It's sort of. Um, Do you ever have days though where you're like, I want to go hard today? I never pull hard, man. Like no. I I I don't I can't say I ever do. Um, I always approach. Uh, most conflicts, and not that that jujitsu rolling every day is a conflict, but there's a Radio Lab podcast who they talked about um, 
like it was called the good show and they talked about like sort of like moral um how you behave against other people and sort of like conflict resolution and they talked about how this how they wanted to handle the cuban missile crisis i believe it was and at the time and they took literally um like all the best computer programmers in the world and they're like write us a program for what you think is best to avoid like world dominate or just avoid just like blowing up the world right and um the the program that won was where where the world didn't end up one one country just obliterating the other or you know both countries obliterating each other was one called tit for tat so you always start off like you it was like you start off light and you kind of poke just to see what the reaction is and then the moment the other side pokes back harder then you retaliate hard but then you go back to just poke again right so that's sort of like what i do when i grapple like i just sort of sort of light they retaliate i retaliate back to either save myself from getting submitted or whatever and then once i sort of like establish like a heavy top position where i where i could smash i just go back to my sort of like poking again um and whether or not that's good for jujitsu, I don't know. But it's just it's that's just how I handle things. That's interesting because it, it actually um, it's funny because you, you made the reference that everyone's going to find out that I'm a closet wrestling fan. But I no, we actually, found that out two weeks ago. Yeah, we found that with me and Chris back in the day when I was watching Stone Cold Steve Austin and all that. But I uh, remember stunning Steve Austin, stunning, stunning Steve Austin, <laughs> the Hollywood Blondes, baby. So anyway. There's a concept in in that. So obviously, you know, that that's that's there's some there's choreographed. Those guys are working together, but there's physicality there. They wanna make it to the they they wanna make it appear as if they are hitting each other. So there is impact, there sure, is yeah, yeah. and there's a concept Unless it's shoot style, right? Shoot style. But but there's there's in the in you know, they talk about working snug and this sort of thing. So you can't see through the work, so to okay, speak. Yeah. It doesn't look doesn't look like, you know, you need camera angles to hide that they're actually hitting each other. Like they are hitting each no. other, you know, but they're yeah, hitting I mean, themselves hard in safe places. But there's a concept of a potato. And a potato is it's when the guy gets excited or he hits you for real a little too hard. Okay. And in wrestling circles... But, but without intention to. Just to no, without intention. Or, or accident. You know, or, yeah, or just you messed up. Excited. Like I, I misjudged distance okay. and I hit you hard, you know? Well, a lot of times that's, that warrants what's called a receipt. Okay. Which is the other guy will hit you back to let you know right. that like, I felt that. Then it becomes itchy and scratchy, right? Yeah, kind of. But it doesn't... It I mean, shouldn't so, result it in itchy shouldn't, and scratchy. It shouldn't result in escalation where now like the next person grabs, you know... Like in your situation, it's like, oh, someone did something really aggressive. You know, maybe they did a... Um, I don't know. Maybe they were really just gruff around your neck or yeah, something. Yeah, like just a know? club. By yeah, accident, you know, like, yeah. Okay, then maybe you get them back, but then you don't suddenly keep escalating and say okay now it's on sort of thing some people that happens but i right. think that concept of it's not as though if a person messes up you have permission to hit them back but it's almost like it's letting a check, them though, know right? yeah it's, it's, it's a, a check. check letting yeah. them know like wait a minute you're not the only i'm not the only one that can receive here you can also i can do stuff to you that you're not going to like so right, it's right. sort of a, a reminder to Hey, you know, know your boundaries, protect my body, and I'll protect your body, and we can and that's get better. A, that's, and it's a trust, right? Like, that's a big part of jujitsu in general. Is like you're literally entrusting your which your goes health. back to when you roll with certain people that are, let's say, more physical or wilder. How do you roll with them? 
at that point you sort of well first i mean i i'm of the mindset of defense first like it's just it's because without defense you'd okay let me yeah, ask you a you different just, question yeah. how do you roll with a brand new person so let's oh, say okay so so Ooh, that's and a, not a brand new person in the sense of uh this is our you know like you're introducing someone to the mats let's say you're sitting on the mat a athletic looking dude yeah. in a white belt that you don't know walks up and says hey let's roll and you uh, don't you know mean, the guy in from class, Adam in class, in class. you haven't okay. seen him how um, do you roll with him so I have, a, I have an experience and, I, and I'll I will as with with 90% of the people I roll with I will pull guard first and um, and just to, to to give a little credit to SBG um, you know I had seen a seminar tape of a guy who said you know in general when you roll with somebody brand new or somebody you just never met before, they could be a higher belt. You will have a generally good idea of their, not ability, but just sort of their intent. If you get them in your close guard. And I think sort of just because I love close guard, um, close guard is such, it's, it's so sensitive to things and it's very controlling. And plus it's often the most commonly associated guard with jujitsu. Well, people have sort of like a recognition of that. Um, my, in general, I will close guard, break their posture, generally scissor sweep because it's my, it's actually my highest percentage sweep. Um, scissor sweep them to mount and just, just give them a little taste of like just pressure, right? Calm down. <laughs> the old yeah, calm yeah, exactly. Down. Just, yeah, you know, like, um, if they get a little bit too out of hand, a little shoulder pressure, not quite sternum pressure yet. But um, but if they're just like chilling out and appear to be getting out without just thrashing wildly, because at that point I just I stay on them and like, because to me that's what jujitsu is about, right? Like immobilizing person, controlling them. Do you think it's beneficial to choke the fuck out of them right away? Absolutely. So not. they know. No, no. Let to, me just to like okay, sorry. So they so they're kind of like. Okay, me just thinking I can win and me just going balls to the walls as a schizo white belt is the right way. So do you think like getting choked the fuck out early on will mitigate that? Will bring them, will no, calm them down? absolutely not. Um, so it's sort of... Because I kind of think it will. I, I, think it, I think it'll... But here's the thing, right? Like just the idea of not necessarily the mat enforcer, which is another unspoken rule of jiu-jitsu. Oh, yeah, I want to under, understand that better. Okay, so like the... I always feel as though a big part of how conflict is handled on the mat, not just training reflects quite a bit on the gym and how, and what does that teach the student? Right. Just like the idea of somebody fucking losing their shit and kind of losing their cool. If they're a new belt, a new, a new person or, or what have you, if your reaction to them and mind you, I'm also like bringing in parenting to this at this point, if your reaction to them is to escalate, like what does that teach them? Right. So like, now, when they have the opportunity to do that to somebody, like all you're gonna do is they're gonna do the same to the next person. But as long, okay, I guess the big thing I'm, I'm saying is if the person, so let, let's use a schizo, a, a larger schizo white belt as an example. I think what's more demoralizing to them, choking the fuck out of them, right? Because I don't think people quite understand. Um, kind of going back to what my friend was talking about, how he he said like the Khabib McGregor fight was terrible. He's like, all he did was just choke him, right? I'm like, well, okay. He's like, that's so cheap. People tend to view uh, a quick submission as cheap. Whereas I think it's more demoralizing to somebody to put on the voo look of apathy 
mount the fuck out of them, let them thrash and just gas themselves out, and I look bored out of my fucking mind. Okay, so I think I think the the <laughs> I like that I like that image too. I think what's I think what's important <laughs> to note here is it's not it was provoked by something. So okay. I'll, I'll use my example here. Yeah, yeah, please. Here. So yeah, my um, example is my second day of jujitsu. I happened to appear at Randori, which happened a lot. This ha- we ha- we used to have a Randori class on Fridays, and for whatever reason, if it was the time, to- we don't have Randori on Fridays um, in Gi. In Gi, okay. In gi. We, we, yeah. So, well, for whatever reason, we would a lot of people that just started around the time I did would just randomly show up to this class thinking it was just another class, <laughs> and I'm a no stripe white belt. So, yeah, I, I can't believe up- you were even allowed in that class. Uh. Yeah, but I mean, on those days, you'd have maybe four to six people. Okay, so, so you it's know, like, they, yeah, yeah, just hop in. Yeah. Okay. Um, that, that's a separate topic, whether right, they right. should train or not. Anyway, so my second day, and I go up to JB, <laughs> who doesn't know me from Adam at this point. And you, who do not certainly don't yeah, know him Yeah, I don't know right. him. So we roll, and he was playing Butterfly. Now, you know, even though my recognition of things... Back then was zero. When I look back, he was playing butterfly guard, okay. and I just kind of like blitzed into him because I was a bit of a, I would, you know, fully admit I was probably a schizo at the beginning there. I'd say I was a schizo for a week, week and a half. Then That's I learned, it, which is very I, good. Then, but then I like, learned very quickly going hard and just using my strength and athleticism is not going to go anywhere. Like I need to accept the fact that well, I'm inferior. I'm and, curious as to what your sort of singularity was. That like what well, made just, you realize you, that. Uh, repeated failure of doing it that way. Hmm, interesting. You know, and just, and just accepting that I'm going to be at the bottom of the totem pole. And the quickest way for me to get better is to actually practice the techniques and try it. So what an idea. I went with JB and um, I don't think I was by any means like the, the worst offender when it comes to being a schizo, but I was being a schizo with him. And he very quickly... And pretty calmly, actually, um, Butterfly swept me into mount. And then he just did his high mount kind of control. Mm -hmm. And I was probably thrashing a lot and stuff. And then with about 10 seconds left in the round. You turned like sunset, flip him out. No, no, no. With with about 10 seconds. And by the way, JB's like outweighs me and outsized me by, you know, he's probably Probably 6'4". Yeah, yeah, you know, much bigger, stronger guy than me and taller. And talented. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, and with about 10 seconds left. You know, I don't know what I was fighting, but then I just remember feeling like my ear was being ripped off. Oh and God. essentially what he did was he did um, some sort of uh, lapel choke. I don't even know what it was at the time. Right, right. But it, it, it hurt, and I thought my <laughs> ear got ripped off when he did it because he ripped the lapel across my ear to get to a choke position, something like right. that. And then, he, you know, JB did his kind of deadpan, like, shake and... You know, didn't acknowledge me much after. Were that. you yeah. like that guy's a fucking superhero, or were you like I'm gonna do that to? Or like, how did you feel after that? As a, as a brand new student, basically. As a brand new student, I was just like, okay, you know. I'm and, not sure most would react that way. Yeah, but I, I think I think the thing is, is I did learn that being wild was gonna get that reaction. So it's almost like it's like conditioning it's like that was negative reinforcement but it did serve the purpose he didn't pat me on the back and say don't you know 
don't thrash, you know, he, he gave me negative reinforcement, which he made me suffer a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm not sure most people would recognize that though. Right. I mean, like going back to the whole communication thing, but the key here, the, here's the detail. Yeah, yeah. I initiated at first. He didn't, he didn't just blitz me. It didn't like we, we didn't like slap bump. And then he double legged me through the roof, right, right, or, you right, know, right. through yeah. the ground or Soto guard me through the ground. I've seen him do that with, with big guys like Clint yeah. where Clint tried to do something crazy. And then he sort of guard him through the mat. Yeah. You know? And, and that's how, again, it depends on how people learn. But I recognize that maybe I can go about this a little differently. You know? I would say that you are in an the exception minority. to the rule. Yes. Because you're a little bit more mindful of your training. That's why we're even, these discussions even started, right? Where most people, I think, require just as, um, just going back to like sort of independent learning, I'm not sure how many people are out there wanting to get better versus just showing up to class, doing the technique, and thinking that's automatically making them better versus the experimentation, you know, learning the more of the ins and outs and of the whys of whatever it is that works. I think yeah. most people just want to learn the how, not the why. And that applies to as meta as you can get. Well, I mean, another example um, of something like this occurring was months later, I, was, I think I was a four-stripe white belt or something, and I just, I had kind of discovered the loop choke um, and the loop choke from the front. Okay. You know, where you have kind of like a loose like cross, a, yeah. yeah, a loose cross choke, um, cross grip on the lapel, and you try to get kind of that, I think it's like, like a, a Henzo aggressive. like snap down. Yeah, kind of the Henzo thing where you try and get their head into your in kind yeah, of like yeah. in your pocket and then you did you Jim just, teach you that by the way by the chance no I don't know where I saw that it was one of those things where I just saw it look cool and I was like oh this seems to work or it seemed promising so I, I tried doing that and I went with Ryan Wilkerson I tried to do it to him and I got him but I didn't I didn't get him in the sense I didn't choke him right I kind of got him into that position and I was really cranking his I was cranking instead of choking and I might have even had the lapel across his face like oh, I could definitely feel you I wasn't. Paid for that, didn't I, you? I could definitely could feel I wasn't <laughs> under the chin, you know. But I wasn't as mindful as as I am now about that. So I just was just doing it, right. you know. And he got out, and he was visibly pissed. Maybe he wasn't <laughs> pissed, but I, I would say he was visibly pissed. And he proceeded to hulk up and mount me, and really, really try to choke the fuck out of me with an Ezekiel. That, you that, know, he does that anyway. You know, yeah. no, I know that, but yeah. I mean, it, it, okay, I, I, I know uh, the difference in intent. You know what I mean? No, no, yeah, yeah. And you know, I fought it, um, and I was a little more skilled at the time, so you know, it wasn't immediate, but within, I would say, five to ten seconds, like he muscled that in, and he choked hard, and you know, I tapped, and he released, and he didn't. I don't think he held it or anything. And when we released, he kind of had this dead stare like he wasn't just normal he had this dead stare looking at me and i was <laughs> we love you ryan by the and, way no i no, i love ryan yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and i'll tell the aftermath to it too and you know we slapped bump we went back to work and he was more relaxed at that point and i was also kind of like i don't want to poke the bear anymore you know what i mean well okay so as a student though yeah, yeah, well, yeah so I, I don't want to poke the bear anymore so you know let, let, let me let me try and flow a little bit more so anyway that happened then after class I was like, hey, man, you know, I hope, I hope we're good and stuff. Oh, yeah, man, we're fine. We're fine, you know. And that was it. That was the end of it. And I, and I think Ryan is good at compartmentalizing 
kind of thing. Yes, you know what I mean. And I think he had he had known me well enough where he had had more his initial impression of me. He had already had an initial impression of me because he's seen me train. I've trained with him before. This wasn't the first time we rolled, sort of thing. So what I learned from that was, you know, um, don't. It just it it raised my awareness of my my partner my training partner so i don't abuse their body when i'm practicing something you know so yes. i'm more mindful of cranks i'm more mindful of, if i'm doing something if i'm choking and it's i'm not getting anything and i feel iffy i'll let go after a couple after a couple right after a couple seconds because that means with him i was yeah. still forcing it yeah, you know yeah. What i mean so that's what ended up happening Thank you, Mark Peace. He is he is contributing to Dad Bod with, oh, with, with homemade biscuits. Oh, so. the, the infamous biscuits. All right, I'm, I'll be car. It's it's my glycogen replenishment after training. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, and, and I I I wish more people would approach things that way. So so the only the last thing I want to say, and then you can no no you yeah. have it is. I do think that JB and, and, and Ryan are mat enforcers to a degree. I yes. would consider them mat Even Absolutely. though I don't even know entirely what a mass, mat enforcer is, I just know that those guys, not only are they good, but um, I actually have seen an example of, of JB really being what I would consider mat enforcer, where he saw a schizo white belt kind of maul a smaller person. Uh, and then he was like, come with me. And then he proceeded to bow and hour him like five different ways. <laughs> You know, and, and not even like Bowen. And to the guy's credit, he was tough and kind of just like sat in it for a while, you know, but, you know, JB kind of did that. And I think, again, I think this might kind of like go into the territory of, you know, jujitsu used to be taught this way where the tough people kind of survived and maybe I wouldn't, I would be okay in that environment because I reacted a certain way. I didn't react negatively when these guys were very physical with me. Right. You know, I didn't like go home and say, I don't want to train anymore. I understood it and I was cool with it. And maybe it's not the best way to teach, but um, I got the message there. And I don't know. I mean, it's jujitsu. There's some physicality involved, you know. Yeah, if you can't defend is. yourself, like you know, what I mean, and that's what it is. Like I have conflicts when I go with people because I don't have conflicts, but I'm conflicted when I go with somebody new. Because if I go with a big new white belt, that's athletic. If I put them in my closed guard, I'm not skilled enough in closed guard, and I have a size disadvantage where a lot of times they're just going to stack me and put me in an uncomfortable position. You know, I'm not going to get submitted, but, you know, my, my, my upper back is getting contorted. You know, my, my neck is getting squished on. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, is this the best way? Should I, just, should I just establish dominance from the get-go? Should I try to at least? You know, should I try to assume top position and just ride them out and let them know this is where you are in the pecking order? Don't fuck with me. Now let's train. I think don't try to beat of, me. You know what I mean? Let's just let's just roll. I, well, okay. So don't buy, don't don't try to beat me is a big. I, I think that's. I, I don't think <clears throat> white belts, let alone, or excuse me, like upper belts, even really understand that, right? Um, it's. I, I'm I'm big on culture, right? Like and like in general, culture should trickle down from the higher belts. They should be an example for other students, and. You know, if if somebody is overly cranking on things and that sort of thing, like if if it's warranted, okay. But like, just as 
oftentimes like you have to snatch your kid's hand away or smack them from doing something right it's like it's always the 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 discussion afterwards that sort of matters more and i'm I'm not i don't want to sound too like millennial parent here but like it's necessary and i think it contributes to the overall learning environment and the, the culture of the gym if such right so like i'm i'm <laughs> i always like to calm down like mount the dude and just wet blanket him dude just calm the fuck down will you you know, I, that, that's that's my personality too. Like I'm a sort of anti-conflict type of person. Um, I will, however, if I have to, neon belly, wait for them to almost tap and let go, and do that. Like that's, I mean, but I think you have. Yeah, I think it takes for me to get to that point. It's it takes like enforcement at that point. Like seeing seeing like an injustice on the mat is what forces me to do that. So I think that what's interesting about jujitsu, what I think is beautiful about jujitsu is it checks egos. I think we all have egos, especially, you know, without going too much into societal things. I think actually I much prefer, first of all, I much prefer dealing with people that have bigger egos than smaller egos. I'd much rather deal with people that are slightly overconfident than people that are underconfident. I think that's elaborate. I think it's healthier to be a little more, to be full of yourself instead of someone that's constantly saying, oh, I'm not good enough. Okay, fair enough. I think, you know, I, me personally, yeah, I'd much that, rather that, deal with people that are more confident than people that don't have confidence in themselves. That's just a personal thing. But the great thing about jujitsu is um, you can have whatever ego from past accomplishments, what people have told you, as you like to say, the mats never lie. So when you roll, yeah, I mean, you know exactly where you lie in the ecosystem. You know, and I think that's where, to whatever degree, you know, the most extreme would be like some meathead from the gym who's like, bro, I'm an athlete. You know, I, you know, I, I would have been playing football if I didn't have a shoulder injury, blah, blah, blah. And they come in and they want to hulk through everything and they get beat up, you know, and beat up, beat up is not they get beat up. Their ego gets beat up. Their ego gets beat up. They get mounted. They get armbarred. They get all that. Just like, just like those viral videos that pop up. It's like 220 pound bodybuilder goes with, you know, five foot three. Yeah. yeah, Takes on five foot three blue belt and look at the blue belt tap pound, that kind of thing. So I think that's, what's good about it. But I, for whatever reason right now, I think part of that is an establishment of a pecking order, not in a sort of like, a beats B, like you have a, literally a ranking, right, right. but this sort of thing like you've just started, a realistic expectation for someone who just started is you're going to lose to most of the people here. But there's some variance, like, there's some yeah. variance because of, based on athleticism and endurance, but that really doesn't have too much impact for someone who's just starting. And I think that's where this whole mad enforcer thing and, and checking okay. egos is, is it's necessary. Is it necessary? I would yes. even go as far as say it's a necessary evil. You know, you will say, or you won't say, I would, I, I'll go as far I, as I say will it's say a it's a necessary evil, evil. You know? I don't agree. But with what's it. your thing with like, what's your idea of a mad enforcer? A mad enforcer to me is somebody who has the skills, ability and personality to be able to turn it on when, an injustice is on the has has occurred on the mat, right? Like, for example, somebody like Amanda, who's yes, she's a blue belt, and yes, she's you know been training for at least a year now, right? She's been training the uh, a week longer than me. Okay, so t- two years, 
just under two years. So just yeah, actually, it'd be uh, it would be coming up on two years. Yeah, coming up on two years. Um, you know, the fact is, you you have that two hundred twenty pound bodybuilder or whoever comes in, whether or not he's trained or not. You know, if he hulks out on her and she's not on it yet, which first off, that's a in, that's a improper pair up with the instructor, but that's that's another argument altogether or uh, conversation altogether. And he fucking power bombs her right off the bat or something and fucks her neck up, then you sick a Ryan Wilkerson on this guy, right? Because an injustice has occurred on the mat because somebody trained and hurts hurt their training partner and, and that, that shouldn't be happening on the mat. And I know you can't always take the responsibility away from the person who's who got hurt and whatever. I mean, I agree right? with you. The big thing is that pair-up shouldn't have happened. They, they agreed. And that's that's another... So let's... I'm just trying to use an example. Yeah. Right? Or, or or somebody who... And this this is what bugs me, right? Um, somebody who's a, a considerably higher belt, like a purple or above, rolling with a white belt, and all they do is just smash the fuck out of them. They're, they're like a, let's say, a second-month white belt or something. And they, they smash the fuck out of them or they, they do something they shouldn't have, you know, and... and or Or... Or do some sort of fucking goofy submission, which I understand. Like sometimes you have to sort of test What's your submission. What's the difference between a mat enforcer and a mat bully? Oh, that's it. Because it sounds like you're describing them with a mat bully sometimes. A mat enforcer, though, is somebody who would be unassuming off the bat. And so Ryan Wilkerson and JB are unassuming people. I'm not gonna say unassuming, but they're not like assholes, right? Oh, of course not. Yeah. No, no. I mean, like, but a mat bully is somebody who constantly feels the need to push their weight around either I just said consciously but either subconsciously or not like they, they just do it's a part of their personality and they sort of like get off on like either harming other people submitting other people um, being rough because you've heard me use the term before there's a difference between rolling hard and rolling rough right yeah absolutely you know and, and if you're rolling both hard and rough all the time for the sake of just roll because that's what's giving you the edge on the mat I think you need to take a look at your technique a little bit more yeah I it's you I know, think and, I think the big and and who and who you're rolling with too is a big yeah thing, I think right? it also like, depends on on I mean there's, it's really subjective to a degree but it's like the mad bully is using their skill their superior skill to on people that did nothing wrong, so to speak, when it comes to mat etiquette. Whereas the mat enforcer is doing the exact same thing yeah, to yeah, people that violated mat etiquette. Right. So, so going to mat etiquette here, that that's a that's I'm a touchy subject. Right? I'm still learning mat etiquette, and I, I think mat etiquette is more something that'll never be clarified, right? Because it depends on which gym you go to, which sort of like, like I think we're a little bit more of a pro- progressive school when it comes to certain things. Um, you know, like the idea of like, what is your, what are your thoughts on a lower belt asking a higher belt to roll? I understand the, it, it's, it's something that exists. It's something I'm aware of. It's something I will, I will assume in a newer, in an, in an unknown academy until told otherwise, because it's their place and their house rules. And I'll respect that. Yeah, yeah as you should, right? I yeah. think, I think there's nothing wrong with it except if there's delusion involved. And I think the delusion is if, if one, if let's say the higher belt is wanting to do, so let's say the higher belt is training for a competition 
and a two-stripe white belt, you know, is like, hey, man, you know, I want to roll. And that guy is getting ready and has other people that he could roll with. You know what I mean? It's sort of like... And that's an extreme, too, right? It's an extreme. But it's like, you know, what is... I think a lot of it comes back to, you know, we uh, we kind of kicked off with, like, how do you roll? Well, the other aspect that we didn't touch on so much is, you know, how do you feel that day? Like, most days, hmm. I feel like I want to train. I want Okay, and this is a, a side topic that we won't have time to talk about, but in the, in the latest Matt Burn podcast, Josh refers to how do you define rolling? How do you define training? Ooh, how do you do it? That's, For him, training definitions is, are big words. Yeah, yeah, yeah and and you know, and I didn't think you know it was an interesting conversation. I think at the end of the day, what matters is we're able to communicate. We understand each other. Whether you use the word train and I use the word roll or vice versa or spar, or spar, right, yeah. and and that all came up. But so that, is jujitsu a fight though? Well, that was the thing he asked. Oh, is it yeah, really? That was okay. the first thing. Is it a fight? And, okay, I'm actually. I'm, and I'm he catching said no. Up to you, and he way. said no. It's not. You know, he doesn't think it's a fight. Then why do um, they use the word fight all the time? It's a. It's a match. It's a match. You, you have a jujitsu exactly. match. I agreed. I agree. But point being, I think common sense. To me, it's common sense that number one, there's how I'm feeling, and okay. then there are people in the gym, like my training partners. Yes. I know all my training partners, the regulars, I know them all, and I know what they bring to the table. And I'll throw Chihuahua in here because even though he's not here anymore, we miss you, Chihuahua, but um, I think he's a good example of an extreme that exists where it's like, if I'm paired up with Chihuahua, I know what I'm getting from him. Yes. So regardless of what my mood is, or, or Ryan Wilson. And that's what I'm saying. You just, I'm going to go yeah. with Ryan Wilson. Regardless of my mood, I know what I, what you, I, yeah, exactly. I have to match that intensity. Right. So... That comes to where my if I have some say in my partner selection, then I'm going to influence my partner selection to go along with people that are going to be um, conducive to con- your no, yeah, that are going to be consistent to, to what yeah. my mindset, what I want to do. You know, um, it could be something is feeling I'm tired or I'm recovering from an injury. Like right now, I have you know I'm almost done recovering from bruised ribs, but I still feel them. So thanks, Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of thinking. You know, I'm picking, I, I'm tending to go, or especially early on, people that are my size or smaller because I didn't want to go, I didn't want to have to bear more weight, you know, on right. my frame. And then you go with people that go a certain way. I'm, I'm going to avoid people that are probably top heavy guys. Yeah. You know, for the most part, I'm rolling with everybody now again, which is great. And I'm happy about that. But depending on what my mood is, there's certain days where I want to just go hard. And then I'll pick the guys that I know are up tempo guys. I'll yeah. go with a guy like Mike Sahibi. Yeah. He's an up-tempo guy, and I'll, I'll get Troy, rolling. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. So, uh, you know, I think conflicts happen when there are not enough people in the training room and there are not enough people matching where you are mentally for that day. And I think that's – and so that the onus on both people, and I think that that's what people lack a lot is – I guess it's empathy, right? Like, is trying to be aware of what, what – where you are and where the other person is. And also that regardless of who you're going with and whatever the skill level disparity is up or down, there are always opportunities to practice and improve. Exactly. And that goes back to where we said coming full circle where I firmly believe in the concept of down training. Everyone agrees, oh, if I go with a higher belt, it's good. Everyone loves rolling with Paul. Find someone that doesn't like rolling with Paul. Right, right. Everyone loves rolling with Paul. Because granted, he's doing now, his effort granted, to make pa- you better. Yeah. Paul's not even smashing you, but I would even say if I went with JB going hard or Ryan Wilkerson, I enjoy going with Ryan Wilkerson. It's debatable to some degree if, if the disparity is so much 
we've talked about this. Do you learn anything as a lower belt if you're, if you're in bottom side the entire time? And is it beneficial for the upper guy to be on top? I will, I will, let's shelve that for the sake of this conversation. But I do agree that that's an issue with this. But for the most part, everyone likes rolling with someone a little better than them. Sure. Right. Oh, I want to roll. You know, I'm a blue belt. I want to roll with purple belts. I want to see how I do with purple belts. This is fun. I want to roll with brown belts. And, but I think the, per, the the I think down training is equally important and equally valid. Down, down training for me is like by defin- that, yeah. yeah, by definition is training with someone of lesser skill. I can still practice stuff, and many times I can practice stuff that I don't have an opportunity to practice with other guys. But the bottom line is, um, don't hinge your success and development in jujitsu on I'm rolling with tough guys. I'm rolling with, you know, all these, I'm rolling with all these higher belts and going hard, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Like, so does the attrition, do you think though, I mean, because I think you, you had kind of mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Um, jujitsu is extremely young as a sport. Yes. And as such, it's extremely young in terms of the sort of pragmatically best ways of coaching and that sort of thing and lending you know a certain amount of like it used to be just from my understanding it used to be just pohada all time you know like and that's that's how you get better you know to train with lions and all that fucking all these fucking memes right and and sort of like in essence the cream sort of like rises to the top which is fair to a certain degree but i, I think, think that's a lot a of survival bias for i think there's a time yeah. and place for it but i believe right now i'm a big believer that the best way to improve quickly is consistency and putting as many hours on the mat as you can in a week. And the way you do that is you have to temper your yes. intensity. You can't go, you can't redline every day. Right, because you, you only have so much energy, right? Like recovery and, and your body can yeah. only handle so much. And so like, but to your point, like do you, if you're training with the hardest, the, the toughest, most skilled people all the time, if, if you, so... Let's get. Let's say there's an unlimited number of resources, unlimited number of times, or time, the infinite amount of time for that matter. You will get better, right? You can't not get better. Correct. We get better quicker. What's the slope of that line? Right, right. I think the point is point of diminishing marginal returns is very. It starts off very early, right? Versus training with people, either similar or only slightly better, right? Because I think that's learning, how you're. So I think. At a very high level, I think learning is an S-curve. Okay. So the initial advancement is slow, and that's what I would At a very high level, you're saying? No, no, no. At the beginning and okay, the end, uh, an S-curve. So at the beginning, the slope of that line is, is almost parallel to the horizontal axis. Right. Because I, I would call that the uh, learning curve of something. You're confronted with a bunch of new stuff, and it's a little overwhelming at first. Then you hit a point of inflection. Yes. where now suddenly improvement happens a lot more rapidly. Then as you advance to the later stages of your development in that skill, things taper off again yeah, and improvement takes longer and diminishing longer. Diminishing returns, right? Correct. Yeah. So I think that, you know, at the beginning, you are going to be kind of overwhelmed. But then over time, if you stick to trying to do what you know, practice even if it's a very limited skill set you'll more quickly reach the point where now you can practice more for more positions you're not on the you're not in shitty positions as much and jujitsu becomes fun i can tell you from personal experience the last six months of my jujitsu has gotten way more fun because i'm in positions where i get to do more i'm not 
on bottom so much. Sure. I'm actually able to practice other positions, and that in and of itself is fun. And especially when you get to do offensive stuff, that's fun too. But that's also because, so like, I, I think it was like, was it Innocent, Dana Innocenta who said, like, you should always train, and this is like, it does, it, it makes perfect sense, but like, it's also just like, duh. Like, he should, like, you should always train with people of lesser skill, people of equal skill, and people of, like, better okay, skill. Okay, so that, what's your percentage? Because Paul asked us that, and then he refuses to tell us what his percentage is. Oh, oh okay. so he's saying it's a ratio? So um, it's like, if, yeah, if you, if, you had, if, if you had 100%, you know, how many have, percentage of the role should be with higher, with equal, with lower? I always feel it should be sort of like a, just like a bell curve, right? Like 33, or uh, 66% equal and then uh 33 percent higher so i think and then 15% higher 15% this might even vary depending on where you are in terms of your skill development this might be a different answer that's fair that's fair the blue belt or pro belt for for me where i am i think you don't think it's a sliding scale that just regardless of where you are it's always going to be that though like well i'm 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 getting i'm getting thrown so many techniques everything's new to me right Okay. So I actually think I should be rolling more with people a little weaker than me so I have the ability to practice my techniques okay. and not get shut down all the time. So I would actually say... Yes, agreed. I'm going to say 50% less. I would say 30 to 35% equal and then 15% people are better superior. Than yeah. Yeah. Which I think is fair, like, but I enjoy rolling fair. with people that are. I mean, I actually, I right, because like, that's how you that sort more. of like calibrate, right? Like, but in terms of development, I think that's where it should be. So fifty percent equal mm-hmm. within no, no, within no. the low lower lower. Wow. Yeah. So you want to just dominate everybody all the time? But it's not dominate. I mean, there's a difference between if I'm going with a a brand new white belt, then that's different. Okay. I'm I'm in a fundamentals class. I'm there to help them. Yes, and practice what I can. I'm, I'm polishing. You're being I'm a good po- student. No, I'm polishing. I'm polishing whatever my there's to work on, right? Because but, there's always stuff to clean up. Yeah. Um. So like, but there I'm funneling. I'm funneling to whatever. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Here's and the, your Oma Pilata. and they're like. So what is they the go back um, to close whoever it was? <laughs> or they or they, they or, or they fall back and, and say I don't know why I fell back. Um, but uh, so I think who like when you're training with lesser people, you should be training two things i feel your attacks to see if they work right because that's sort of like a good gauge of like your jujitsu right um and you're and i would put myself in bad positions against lesser people uh just because like the likelihood of them getting me in a bad position is much lower right so i'll I'll put myself there and and just kind of work on my defense but when i want to attack i want to attack that's when i kind of want to attack um the basics to make sure they're sharp because mm-hmm. like that's a it's to me it's like you're you're sort of a douchebag if you're doing like fucking worm guard stuff and like these crazy ass lapel things to somebody who's like a white belt because like the ch- the likelihood of them defending that is none right like they've not recognized they, they, they don't even know that they're in closed guard or whatever the case is oh yeah right so like you like what good are you like oh I, I i did this fucking 17 step thing against this poor white belt like are you are you better because of that um and then obviously you you play your strengths and you play whatever it is you work on with people who are of equal skill level because that's when you really test yourself right because that's a group of your peers and then 
almost always when you're working with somebody of higher skill level, you try to attack, but they're shutting you down and mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So it's mostly defense when you're playing against a person who's of significantly higher skill. But level I think that you. I think the people that are but better you still than try you, the people that are better than you are probably some of your best measures of your development because their improvement is slower. So they, in terms of points of reference, are a little more con- are a little more. Static. I think it depends on their mood that day too, because like yeah, but, it depends but, but, on you know, yeah. To but use my under, but my I, underlying concept, I think, do you, I, I, because improvement taper takes longer at higher bells. Yeah, yeah. That they're they're, they're, they're not moving. Yeah, they're yeah. not as a point of reference. They're not moving as fast. Right, right, right. So if you compare yourself to, if I compare myself to Victor, who's training as much, if not more, than I am. It's hard for me to get any sort of reference because we're both doing our thing and we're probably You're both, both improving. Getting you know what I mean? at the same so, rate. Yeah. So I'm doing. I'm. I'm not going anywhere with him. So I don't. Am I progressing? Am I, I guess if I was logical about it, if I wasn't doing, if we weren't stalemating each other, let's right. say, then one of us would be improving faster. The other one would not be improving faster. But the fact that we're, you know, just kind of yeah, doing yeah. the same thing, we're probably guess, still improving. But if I go with someone that's higher than me. Like if I go with Ryan Wilkerson, that feels like I can gauge. No, I love that's how it does. Like that's how much we have respect. No, exactly. It's like Ryan is a is a good benchmark. And the the thing I love about Ryan, and this goes back to what we talked about a couple episodes ago, is he he does not discriminate. He I get Ryan Wilkerson. I get his role every time. Like I don't have to question: Is he going hard with me? Right. You know what I mean? Like he works with me. Don't get me wrong. Like I know that he works, but he's going. But there's an intensity there, oh, and yeah. I really appreciate that because it's a great measuring stick for how I'm progressing. Right. Because I get to experiment with different things and try different stuff. And I think that's just to your point. Like I, um, now that I am reaching the, the upper levels of beltdom, um, whether I like it or not, I, I always question myself every day of whether or not I'm actually improving and that sort of thing. And you know, I'd, I'd read somewhere like it's not, if, it's not that you're getting worse. It's that everybody else is getting better, and you may have not topped off, but you, I've reached that point in diminishing marginal returns, right? And and then that's, it, it's not that I'm like I just suck more every day. It's just the people who are who should be getting better are getting better, right? Like the white belts, the blue belts, the purple belts, right? So it's it's I'll, I'll, they're, they're, I'll, they're catching I'll, up. I'll, I'll remember this and talk to you whenever whenever I'm a brown belt and, <laughs> and be like, how do I feel? <laughs> I mean, I think I think you're where you are in your jujitsu journey is just different and sure. you're polishing things and it's just a different, you know, it's and a different thing. But like, like we said, if people, as you get better, things yeah, yeah, get slower. Right. That means the people behind are just, are going to close the gap it's, naturally because yeah, it's, it's quicker more for them. Visible, to, right? Like it's just yeah. like evolution. Like, so yeah. what are your goals today for class? My goals today for class are because leg locks are such a, a new thing to me. I mean, mm-hmm. like I've spent at this point, 14, 15 years, not really training leg locks. Um, I, I'm trying to approach it as much as I can with white belt mindset as I have been this entire time. Um, and I'd really like to, it's, it's funny cause JB had mentioned a while back, um, I had said something about 50, 50 and he's like, Oh, I just stand up. I was like, well, that's great. You know, like you're, you're JB and you're awesome at everything. So I, I, I think I might need a little bit more technical instruction with that. Um, at this point, we've learned like five or six escapes from 50-50, or not pr- escapes, but um, uh, progressions from 50-50 and a di- couple of different sequences based upon what, what our partner is giving us. Um, I'm going to work the ones that uh, work to mount because I just that's where I like to go because I always work at the hierarchy of, of things. And I don't really just sort of, I don't feel comfortable 
doing the one where you just sort of like shuck the leg out and like spin out of it just because I don't want to run the risk of pulling a Jamie and twisting my own knee out because um, I'm not confident in my leg lock escapes yet. So that's sort of, um, I think it's sequence number four, I think it is, to work to dope mount. So that's, I, I, I've taken a liking to that one a lot. Um, yours. And, and also working half guard stuff that we've been playing with in the morning that we haven't been doing at night. Oh, okay. So, so um, my rules are simple. It's like I, I'm loving the 50-50 stuff because that was actually a position that I had nothing. I had no ideas of what to do, and I had been asking Paul. I even asked him, and he showed me a couple uh, moves real quickly months ago, but it didn't really stick in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I was ending up in 50-50 much in my roles, but it was certainly something where if you asked me, I really had nowhere to start in terms of how to get out of that position, so it's really you, yeah, it's like, really filled a gap in my in my head. But the really cool thing is, it's connected the dots between that and a barambolo because we're actually doing a position where one of our escapes, if we call it escape, is gets you to a position that you actually end up in if you do a barambolo because you actually get your hips under the person and you can oh, go to yeah, a truck yeah. from there. So okay, yeah, what's yeah. cool is. I just added another That's the latest one in my internal week. concept map. I have ah. a new I A I have a I have fifty fifty now in my mind and I actually have arrows that I can draw out of it to go to other positions and what's cool is it's associated with more positions. So I, it's 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 really it's something that was definitely lacking and it was something that I knowing I knew I lacked as opposed to the stuff that I don't know that I don't know. Like right, the, right, right. the stuff you know that you don't know versus the stuff yeah. you don't know that you don't know. This was in the in the realm of I knew that I didn't know much about fifty fifty and I wanted to close the gap. Especially when I hear guys like Faraz Sahabi saying, Oh, I love fifty fifty, it's a great I use that to sweep all the time. Yeah, and I'm or, like, or Ryan Hall saying it's I'm, the best self defense yeah, position, I'm like, which I'm like, You're out of your mind, you know? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's really cool with the gi, it's a little it's it's different because you your ankle's a little safer with you you have grips that you don't have in nogi yeah so uh i think it's a lot of fun and just going to practice that i've had three days off so my body feels fresh try not to go too hard and get hurt it just occurred to me you can you can twist her off of that yeah yeah it's like it's literally the twister yeah exactly yeah. You just get the truck and you're good to go yeah hmm. so good stuff you, once you said truck i was like oh my god yeah that that literally is the yeah so it's time to stretch Damn it's time to get ready planet. And you, are you going to say it this time or am I going to say it? Oh, God. Oh, God. Even though I will never say that, even though I did last you week. You said it last week. <laughs> like, 